2: The Osbiers COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Hello and welcome to the COB on this Friday. Andrew joined by Kyle. Kyle, mate. Uh, Look down substantially for the day. Yes. Before we get to that, it really all began Wall Street.
0: It did, and didn't tech.
2: it? My goodness, um, <laughs> some savage falls. Yeah.
0: I was thinking about this before, just before we started the uh the podcast. And you know, we kind of scoff sometimes when there's the blaring media headlines of wiped offs and blood baths and things like that. When you see a trillion dollar company, multiple trillion dollar companies, lose twenty percent of their value in the space of I don't know, we'll call it half an hour, it's incredible. It's amazing. Um it's almost surprising. I suppose we're a very different market, of course, but it's surprising that equity futures in the US have held up as strong as they have so far. It's amazing that this sort of risk offset sentiment hasn't sort of been more pervasive through the region. It was, It's just outstanding.
2: Yeah, of course, you're referencing Amazon, which has, in fact, fallen below $1 trillion in value. Um, it's basically a penny stock now. Yeah, I guess so, in terms of mega cap. Um, following Meta... We, um, I was still doing audio checks. Oh.
0: Yeah. And... Oh. Oh, cool. All
2: right, okay. Well, that was good practice. All right. So, yeah, I can't see you at all. So does that mean we're good to go?
0: Are we good to go? Yeah, we're good
2: to go. Okay, all right. Well, welcome to the COB on this Friday. Andrew joined by Kyle. Kyle, g'day. Of course, a um, bit of a negative day we've seen to end the week. But let's actually back up as to where the day began. We came in looking at Wall Street just as it was closing after the bell, and it was savage.
0: Yeah, I walked out at the lift, and it was a little bit like that scene in The Shining where just the blood starts gushing <laughs> out. Um, it's, there's a lot of hyperbole that goes around, obviously, as I, you can tell in financial market commentary. You know, you hear about bloodbaths and um, you know certain uh, amount of value wiped off the market in a day, and it can all be a little bit breathless. But, I mean, when you see multiple mega-capped companies losing 20% of their value in a session, to, uh, up to 25%, it's really, really remarkable, and it, it's almost outstanding that we haven't seen greater selling in U.S. futures so far. So, and we're recording this at about two something in the afternoon. Has to be said, and maybe something more pervasive in the Asian region. Of course, AS- the A.S.X. being much, uh, 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 the constituents of the A.S.X. being much different to what we see on Wall Street. But it's, um, and s- as far as those results and the response, it, it is really remarkable.
2: Yeah. So, of course, you're referencing. Amazon, which was out after the bell and has since fallen below $1 trillion in its market cap, absolutely savage just as far as its outlook is concerned about um, uh, just, you know, particularly heading, I guess, into holiday season yeah, in the States yeah, where it it's a poor outlook. Edge, yeah. yeah. Then, of course, I mean, that followed what we saw the previous day with Meta, which continued its yep. its precipitous fall at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It drew tears
0: from uh, Jim Cramer on CNBC. Um, so, you know, that's uh, got to mean something as well. But like I said, it, it truly is quite remarkable. And uh, this is my little fact: um, You know, just observing the charts this morning, Amazon is trading roughly where it was on March 20, 2020. That was just before, it wasn't the lows for that stock, but it was just mm. before the Fed came in and said that it was gonna pretty much do QE to infinity to support markets and support the US economy. And then it never really looked back. And, uh, well, maybe it's just me looking for a Kumbaya moment, but we've come, you know, all the way from there to the highs, to the lows, the uh, perhaps, you know, corporate embodiment of the stay-at-home trade and the growth stock fervor comes to an end.
2: Yeah, you reference uh, 2020, where we've been over the last two years, we've been up and then we've been down... Uh, and how so? In fact, that's certainly the case with Iron Ore and its price. I'll get to that in just a moment. Let's mm. just wrap up where we finished with, with Wall Street there. Um, Apple, actually, that was a positive result. It wasn't and, bad. And um, not so much with its iPhones, but its MacBook sales doing very well.
0: Yeah. What was interesting, we still saw, I think, when I last checked a bit of a sell-off in after-hours trade, um, it, on, on any sort of normal set of circumstances, that might have been more newsworthy. However, um, yeah, such was the, the drop in Amazon and Facebook the last few days, and Microsoft too. It has to be said these these companies were perennial outperformers for years,
2: and uh, that's just sort of seems to have been you know flipped on its head. Yeah, so if you want to get analysis and perhaps you know what what the way forward is for some of these mega uh, cap tech companies, then check out the interview I did with uh, John Blank from Zacks. Great analysis there as to uh, to his thoughts. Uh, that is very much in his wheelhouse. Kyle, let's bring it back locally. And I'm just looking at the heat map at the moment and the materials sector is just glowing red. And, of course, that is driven mostly by significant losses of the iron ore miners. And I was saying just earlier there that because that iron ore price is now back to two-year lows.
0: Yeah, it's a super interesting week, isn't it? Because we – I'm just looking at, obviously, the daily gain. So far, it looks like we'll be off by about 0.85%. But we have seen some strength coming through the energy players. You know, there's some concern about – concern, I guess you could call it from a political um, and, and, you know, international relations point of view or security f- uh, point of view, a um, uh, step backwards in like the, in the Iran un- nuclear deal, which, which bolstered oil prices, um, saw some strength coming through commodities as the US dollar weakened. So we saw some level of support for our local market from the materials in the energy space during the week. And it looks like that we may, depending on how we fare for the rest of the day, close 1.66% higher for the week. So that's mm. not not dreadful. And that's been that kind of value play that I think is going on. But like you said, we just hit seen, we've just seen iron ore prices hit two-year lows. More or less, that's coincided with a drop in the yuan, this big exit of capital out of Chinese and Hong Kong markets. And, well, you know, anyone would know the signal there. It's it's a, it's a concern about China, the Chinese economy.
2: Yeah, in fact, we were talking with Robert Swift from uh, Delft Partners earlier saying, look, well, he feels that China is just uninvestable at the moment. And Of course, this comes in the yes. wake of confirmation that Xi Jinping has essentially become leader for life. And, well, it's uh, they've, they've re-embraced true communist values, haven't they, as far as uh, the outlook um, and, I guess, how that will... I mean, what is their economic policy now going forward?
0: Yeah, well, I suppose I guess everyone was really disappointed that it wasn't perhaps prioritised higher versus strategic and and social um, uh, priorities. Martin Crabb called it during the week the end of BRIC. Well, Russia's uninvestable. China's becoming uninvestable. uninvestable. I don't know if you'd be too happy with Brazil, to be honest. There's not much going on there with Bolsonaro and they've got an election coming up. So, I mean, India and its cultural exports seem to be spreading out across the world. It has to be said. One of the jokes of the week was actually that... um, the only thing that will face uh, save Facebook now is uh, an Indian CEO um so maybe that's uh, maybe that'll hold true but um yeah BRICS, uninvestable it's just a it's a it's a new world and China's obviously looking uh, dreadful.
2: one positive sector the banks today interestingly too because Macquarie was out uh, with its half year profit uh, to 2, $2.3 point three billion um, but its shares actually bounced off the back of that but it looks as though it's going to actually end in the red but um and, of course, it's been sold off quite significantly recently too.
0: Yeah, no one I've been sort of following me too closely, but again, another one, like you said, has just been kind of caught in the um, caught in the deluge.
2: Yeah, and ResMed also out with results too, profit up 5% there. Well, um, as far as uh, the call today, we had uh, Luke Winchester on from Mary the Capital and Claude Walker from A Rich Life, and uh, they did a special on small caps. Mm. That is very much their thing, of course. Stock of the day... Was Mac Seven, which is um, its image management of sorts in the healthcare sector. Um, let's have a listen to their talk.
0: Look, the reality of the situation is that in the fourth quarter last year, they had very strong, their best ever positive operating cash flow, and, it, and as often happens, you know, that is partly to do with the fact that they have. You know, managed to get payment for a bunch of stuff, uh, perhaps that they could have otherwise got in the first quarter. So, uh, as a result, you see, not just in this year, but in years gone by, Max 7 has had a weaker first quarter. Having said that, even compared to the past, you know, I do think that you have to admit that this was a weaker quarter than one that I would have hoped for.
2: With this quarter, I would I'm, I'm just keeping it on my watch list for now. Uh, if that share price certainly came off a bit further, maybe into the low 40s, I you know I'd, I'd definitely take a real closer look just on that on that value. Um, but on the outlook of the business, I don't I don't hold one bad quarter against them. But I just sit on the sidelines and wait to see that sort of recovery come through that management are, are confident will happen. Okay, so the thoughts of there both Luke and uh, and Claude in regards to. MAC7. Uh, interesting. Just, uh, if you want to check in on on their take on some really interesting um, small caps that they're looking at at the moment. Alright, so, um, Kyle, let's look ahead. Next week is oh, just chock-a-block. Yes, it's,
0: uh, it's a week made for you and me, my friends. We've got uh, the RBA on Tuesday afternoon. The Fed's going to Probably hiked by 75 basis points, but I think that's the thing that supported the market through the week, really, because um, we did see a lot of strength coming through it at at in the first part. In fact, probably mitigating some of the sell-off that we might have seen otherwise, had it been just for these tech results, is this notion sparked off by the Bank of Canada mostly again, and you know maybe some commentary from Fed speakers recently before the blackout, and you know I think it was a Wall Street Journal story uh, about the possibility for a pivot. You know they're not pivoting yet, but they're they're, they're keeping the the door open for it. So. Thursday morning is going to be absolutely fascinating as to, to how they communicate to the, to the markets because it has to be 75. You would have to think it's 75, but how do they frame that 75?
2: Yeah, it's, it's more, I guess, the meaning beyond that. But yeah. also, what, what's the definition of the pivot? Uh, what is exactly. a pivot? Is it, is it um, perhaps pressing less firmly on the brake? Is it taking your foot off the brake or is it actually starting to cut?
0: Yeah, I think it's kind of, um, it's like transitory, right? It's like a nice, vague term that commentators as well as central bankers can use to sort of signal some vague intent, which is often very supportive of of sentiment. So, I mean, a a true pivot is they stop and then, you know, we start talking about the peak of the cycle and whatever. But, you know, really what I think, you know, obviously they're looking for is similar to what's happened with the RBA and the Bank of Canada, that they're close to... um, They're basically signalling an imminent end to the hiking cycle and that they're going to reduce the size of future hikes. Now, there's a very strong argument that they shouldn't do that. Um, Perhaps the markets have gotten ahead of themselves, assuming that they will. However, I think that's what's being looked for and that's maybe part of at least the narrative, even if it's very superficial, as to Mm. why there's been some level of support under asset markets and a drop drop in yields this week as well. Yeah, absolutely.
2: Um, And, of course, our own RBA uh, meeting, Melbourne Cup Day, big day. Uh, Lots Mm. of bets on that one, that whether they'll go, and I'm talking about the horse race, I'm talking about whether they go 25 or 50, particularly in wake of the latest inflation rate.
0: Yeah, Uh, Westpac increased its uh, forecast for the November meeting to 50, which is pretty bold. Um, Well, in fact,
2: I was speaking with Warren Hogan from EQ Economics. mm. He said uh, they would trash their reputation if they went 50. Because they've already, you know, they made that, that decision to oh, go mate, 25. Yeah,
0: it's almost like, um, I don't mean myself and Irene, you know what I mean? Like, or, yeah. or Jekyll and Hyde, like, all of a sudden, you know, sort of flipping personalities like like that. Um, that that was always the argument, though, is that they went 25, they've, they've signalled this slowing down, and that they have lost the opportunity of going bigger now. And, you know, maybe maybe it is. You know, Scotty was talking about it during the week that, you know, we're not any different from the rest of the world. This is becoming really entrenched and sticky. That's the case, you know. A three percent cash rate may not do it. All, all bet that we haven't seen the effects of, you know, past hikes coming through the system yet. But it's going to be really like again. It's, they're going to have to like really walk a narrow, narrow um, tightrope to try and explain their rationale with whatever decision they
2: make. Kyle, it would be uh, remiss of me if I didn't um, finish with a reference to the human headline himself, Elon Musk having closed out that deal with Twitter. Finally, uh, not good news for employees, I would have thought. (laughs) They'll all be wondering whether they have a desk to return to uh, on Monday. Uh, But that uh, $44 billion US deal, uh, looks as though it's finally been... Completed, he says he's going to turn the company around. Uh, no one really knows how.
0: I wouldn't have a clue. I don't know. You could argue that he hasn't even really done much with, other than, you know, create a lot of hype with Tesla and, and other companies as well. Although, obviously, you know, Tesla's proving a, a fairly strong brand and um, is meeting a lot of its uh, output uh, objectives. But yeah, I, you know, I can't pronounce his last name. I can't even remember the name Probably This CEO's gone already. Legal counsel's gone. You know, so there's four or five members of the, the, the executive team that's already been punted in the last few hours. So, Oh, Trump's coming back, so that'll be fun.
2: Yes, God. Uh, is that what the future holds? <laughs> we shall see. Uh, look, um, uh. yeah, look, I uh, we'll, we'll draw a line there. hope you enjoy your weekend. I hope it's um, a better weekend than, than Twitter employees who, as I said, will be feeling very nervous, I would have thought. Uh, Kyle, have a great week, weekend. We'll uh, do it all again on Monday. Thank you.